Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns discovering ways to be healthy, fit, and happy in hectic, high-stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge, and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go. Let us give thanks to the show sponsors. These are great products and services. Check them out. It's so difficult to make the cut. Almostheaven.com for beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Ancestralsupplements.com for grass-fed organ meats in a capsule. Easy. DNAfit.com. Genetic testing delivering comprehensive diet and exercise recommendations. WildIdea.com. Grass-fed, sustainable buffalo, beyond organic, and the Primal Blueprint online multimedia mastery courses. I'm your host. Learn more at the links on my homepage, bradkearns.com. I also have a new button called Shopping with Brad for other cool stuff at bradkearns.com. And here we go with the show. You know, one of the things that I learned in, in this process is that a lot of what we think of as cold resistance and the danger of cold, particularly snow and, you know, the sort of stuff we're doing, at least half of it is simple fear. When you see a photo of me or a photo of somebody who's never been in an ice bath before, you put them in an ice bath, the person viewing that ice bath will have probably more negative experience than the person initially in it. That's what I'm saying. The truth is, is that we've been sort of sold this bill of goods our whole lives, that that the key to human health rests on these two pillars of nutrition and exercise. So the stuff you put into your body and the stuff that you do with your body to use that fuel you just gave it. And this is the essential, you know, building blocks of every diet and fitness program ever devised. What the Wim Hof Method and what I sort of learned in my journey even beyond Wim's um, stuff is that it's not just these two pillars, but there's this third pillar that we don't recognize, which is the environment that you inhabit. Hey, how about a backwards commercial? Are you ready? So go to OrganifiShop.com and enter the discount code BRAD for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I Shop.com. Why would I do something as silly as a backwards commercial? It's because I'm positive you have to try this stuff. Trust me, order some now. It's going to change your life. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement company. They're known for their greens. You take them when you travel, get all your nutrition. But I like their top secret Organifi Gold Warm relaxation beverage. This is the single best tasting tea you will ever try in your life. So if you want something soothing, delicious, nutritious at the end of your busy, productive day, pour yourself a scoop of Organifi Gold. What's in there? Turmeric, the anti-inflammatory superstar is the base. And then listen to this, smooth coconut milk, cinnamon, ginger, lemon balm, and two super mushrooms. It's legit. It's delicious. Check it all out at OrganifiShop.com. And don't forget to put in Brad for 20% off. Try Organifi Gold if you're not totally satisfied. Send it back to me and I'll keep it. 
Hi, it's Brad to introduce my interesting podcast with fellow cold exposure enthusiast Scott Carney, author of this incredible book titled What Doesn't Kill Us? How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning Will Renew Our Lost Evolutionary Strength. What a great and highly descriptive subtitle. And the interesting thing about Scott's story, Scott's angle, is that he is an investigative journalist known with his specialty of exposing gurus as fraudulent and turning them upside down and uh, for all the world to benefit. He's uncovered these uh, meditation gurus where there was a tragedy that happened uh, down in Arizona where one of the disciples died from a kind of an overly extreme devotion to meditation and getting into a fatal medical situation. (laughs) It was called Death on Diamond Mountain. So when Scott was assigned to do an article on the now famous Iceman, Wim Hof of Holland, he's got worldwide fame and acclaim, especially in the progressive health circles due to his uh, advanced breathing techniques. It's called the Wim Hof Method. And he claims that he can train anyone to do these amazing superhuman feats, like climb a snowy mountain in Poland at his training camp in Poland in running shorts in the dead of winter. So Scott was licking his chops, flying across the world to expose this guy as a poser. And what happened was he immersed himself into the method, into the training, as any good journalist should. He said, I'd give the guy, figured I'd give the guy a chance. And guess what? The stuff worked. Scott himself, an ordinary, a self-described ordinary, non-super-athletic journalist dude, climbed a mountain in his running shorts, and he reports being being boiling hot the entire time. So that uh, led him down uh, an immersion into this world of cold exposure. Listeners know that I'm a big fan of this, and I sit in my chest freezer in my backyard every morning and every evening and enjoy those uh, hormonal and blood circulation and oxygen benefits that I've talked about extensively, devoted an entire show to it, and also speculated that I'm getting some psychological benefit, feeling like I'm ingraining these peak performance habits without having to rely on willpower. It's no problem for me to enter the tub. It's just become a habit. And that carries over into other good habits like managing my email inbox and focusing on peak performance tasks, disciplining myself to do whatever's good for me sometimes when it's difficult in modern life with all the temptation and distraction. So we have a really interesting conversation. A lot of it's about Wim Hof and how Scott discovered that his methods really do work. And the uh, hyperventilation and the breathing control uh, allows you to access these primal attributes, these genetically hardwired attributes for us to uh, survive and thrive when we're exposed to challenge. And uh, one of my favorite parts of the discussion is when we get into how we're so soft and lazy and comfortable these days that we're missing out on some very enjoyable opportunities of life when we challenge ourselves and when we struggle. So I think you're going to love this show. Go check out his book and all the other stuff he's doing. He's working on a sequel book that gets even more deep into uh, accessing human peak performance that's been suppressed by our comfortable modern life. Scott Carney, the author of What Doesn't Kill Us. Enjoy. Hey, I'm here with Scott Carney, author of What Doesn't Kill Us, How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning will renew our lost evolutionary strength. Wow, what a title. Scott, how's it going? 
Yeah, that's it's a mouthful. You know, <laughs> you need those keywords. I've been told uh, for your uh, for any book title. <laughs> right. So the the, uh, the highly descriptive subtitle. I'm a big fan of those. That'll <laughs> that'll get us to uh, to dig further. And um, I so much appreciate you joining me. As as my listeners know, I'm such a huge fan of uh, cold water therapy. I have my viral YouTube video, or soon to be viral YouTube video, if everyone watches it about me uh, <laughs> jumping in the chest freezer. But, um, nice. you know, I've, I've been talking on, on different shows about how I, I feel like, you know, we, we know about these scientific hormonal benefits, but I feel like there's another dimension that I'm accessing where I'm getting these uh, peripheral benefits, like with my focus and discipline and just mm -hmm. something is clicking in where this feels like a good thing to do. And then someone pointed me to your book and it's like, here's the guy who's been deep down that, down that journey into the, into the world of, extreme exposure. So, oh man, I, I can't wait to, uh, to hear you set this up, especially that starting point where um, you bring your uh, investigative journalism into the picture and, and decide, oh, here's, a, here's, another, uh, here's another deal that I'll just go and uh, sort everything out and debunk. So tell me how you got started on this path. So I'm, you know, an investigative journalist and an anthropologist, and 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 at this point where this sort of story begins, uh, I had, you know, spent six years in India looking at organized crime. I had just written my second book, which was about uh, essentially how intensive meditation experiences can kill you uh, <laughs> and drive you mad, uh, and and a lot of that has to do with sort of following sort of like false overselling spiritual beliefs that give you superpowers. So think about someone who says you can meditate your way to riches or enlightenment or um, actually enlightenment might be all right, but like walking through walls or, you know, like these sort of like really big things. And I, you know, I'd seen people die in pursuit of these um, superpowers before. The book was about a, a particularly tragic experience in Arizona where someone, uh, you know, meditated until they died on a mountaintop. Uh, and then I heard about this guy named Wim Hof. And at that point, Wim Hof, for those of you who know him now, you did not know him in 2011 because he was a nobody. And he had... Um, he wasn't totally nobody. He had like had done some sort of like circus feats before, but he was saying that he could teach you to essentially exist in the nude in the Arctic and like control your body heat and be a superhuman. And I thought, one, it was sort of oddly compelling. You know, that's sort of a compelling message that you can exist in any environment and thrive. And two, I thought it was ridiculous and he was going to get people killed. So I got a commission from Playboy magazine to, uh, you know, check him out with, you know, what was going on in my mind at the time was I'm going to go, uh, you know, debunk this dude. I'm going to show that he's a, a charlatan and, uh, and and essentially help future people not get sucked into this cult like situation. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a public poll. service, Scott. Exactly. Yeah. That's what investigative journalism is about. We want to like help people uh, to some degree. Uh, and so I flew out to Poland, where he had this training center. And at that point, I'd been living in Southern California. I was in Long Beach. Uh, you know, I'd been there for three or four years. Uh, I liked warm weather. Before that, I lived in India, uh, you know, again, hot. Uh, and here I am flying to Poland, you know, in the winter. This is the middle of the winter that stopped the Nazi army, if you want to get a sort of idea of how cold this is there. And I get off the airplane, 
and the guy I see is this sort of ruddy, sort of like, you know, bad skin, short, but sort of muscular dude with wearing a uh, green pointy hat that made him look like a garden gnome. And he smelled bad. And I was like, this is going to be the easiest story I've ever written because he looks crazy. Uh, and he drives us off. You know, there's like three people there. And at this point, Wim Hof is unknown, you know, for his big training session, his, his inaugural training session into the world. Only three people show up. And one of them is the journalist trying to debunk him. He's got the <laughs> megaphone at the airport and the signs. OK, will the group please follow me into the van? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I I. You know, we, we go into this like dilapidated farmhouse. It's like a three-hour drive from Roclaw where where we came in. And one of the first things I see is I is is he. You know, I drop my bag off and 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 I go upstairs. I look out the back window, and I see this guy in the back yard of this snowfield, um, stripped down to his underwear, wearing you know just. You know, no, nothing on his feet, just totally more or less naked in in the snow, throwing fistfuls of snow at him and there's steam coming off of his body. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Like, A, why would anyone do that? And B, how is it possible that this is actually going on? And that this person actually like wants to do this, that there's some sort of ability for him to manage it. And my first thought is like, hell no, I don't want to do that. Uh, but I also sort of get this inkling that there is something sort of spooky and weird going on. And, you know, over the next week, I've, I, you know, every journalist has this option, right? We can go in there as observers or we can go in there as participants. And if you go as a participant, you're sort of breaking that third wall. You're saying, I'm not going to be a totally objective person. I'm going to immerse myself. And I'm an immersive journalist. I'm someone who jumps into things. And I gave his, I gave Wim a chance, fully expecting it to fall apart. But I gave him a chance. And when I did that, the surprising thing is that I developed, you know, very similar abilities to that dude who was throwing snow on himself. And over the course of a week, I'm meditating on the banks of rivers, uh, melting the snow around me with my body heat and, uh, you know, uh, learning to hold my breath for like three minutes at a time, which I'd never done before. And uh, at the end of the week, we climb up this mountain in Poland and I'm wearing just a bathing suit and I think it's two degrees Fahrenheit out there and I'm on the mountain for eight hours and I'm boiling hot the whole time. Something was spooky was happening and I realized that Wim Hof is, I mean, he might be crazy in, in a lot of ways he's crazy, but there was something to it that I knew I had to pursue. And, and that was the beginning of a seven year journey where I kept on, you know, doing his method and, and sort of investigating why uh, this cold exposure and uh, breathing technique that he has changes your physiology so much. So I guess if your uh, uh, sidekick went with you and, and didn't do any of the training, what would mm -hmm. happen? You'd get cold in, in five minutes out there on your trek up the mountain or something. Well, we, I did have a photographer come with me, and he, and, and he was bundled up in sort of a winter coat on the whole ascent of the mountain. Uh, and, you know, he was surprised it was working. You know, he, he definitely, you know, he, he had seen the method, right, because he was there for, you know, shooting us, you know, do stuff. But, you know, he was sort of amazed that, the, that this was going on. Uh, so he was there and purposely not participating and just, I mean... He's, he's taking pictures of you guys doing breathing exercises. He's not doing them. And so he needs the big parka while you guys are in your bathing suit. Yes. Although 
you know, one of the things that 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 I learned in 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 this process is that a lot of what we think of as cold resistance and and and, and like the the danger of cold, particularly snow and you know what the sort of stuff we're doing, at least half of it is simple fear. It's simply this idea that you've maybe experienced some cold before and you shrink from it and you're like, oh, that's so bad, it's going to kill me. When in reality, you know, the laws of thermodynamics are that, you know, you have a certain amount of resistance that's built into you. And it's simply just go overcoming that fear of being in the cold in the first place. Um, the Wim Hof method then, you know, first of all, it cuts out all that fear stuff. And then it does add some resilience. But, I, you know, I think that just about probably every listener here has much more resilience to these elements than that what they would expect right now. Oh, my goodness. So it's the, the adverse uh, panic anxiety reaction that gets us halfway to, to trouble. I mean, you know, when you get cold, you get cold, you get hypothermic, you're going to have to go uh, indoors or you're going to be in, in bad shape and they're going to take you to mm -hmm. the hospital. But you're saying a lot of that's simply um, a, a, a basic reaction that's 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 hurting us. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say hypothermia doesn't exist because it clearly does. Like nature has, you know, its effects. But but what it is is that when you're standing inside and you're looking outside at a snowfield, right? That snowfield, and and you think about the idea of being naked in that snowfield or just you know in your underwear in that snowfield the anticipation that you have of the pain and the negative consequences of being in that environment are much greater than the actual experience of being in that environment uh, is what i'm saying so so when you see a photo of me or a photo of somebody who's never been in an ice bath before, and you put them in an ice bath, the person viewing that ice bath will have probably more negative experience than the person initially in it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, because we, we're, we're programmed to be conservative. We're programmed for fear. And we're programmed, you know, to want comfort and to avoid things that give us discomfort. And what the beauty of the Wim Hof method is, or one of the beauties is, is that you begin to associate positive benefits with difficult situations. Well, that's funny. I'm thinking of uh, my, my people that come visit my uh, fabulous chest freezer facility in my backyard, <laughs> and they do probably the very worst thing you can do, which is to stick their hand into the 36 degree water. So they're, mm. they're submerged a halfway up their forearm going, Oh my gosh, how do you put your whole body in? It's like, well, the, the truth is it's a lot easier to, to plunge your entire body in there, including submerging your head than it is to put your hand in for five seconds. It's easier to go right. in there for a minute. <laughs> hey ladies, you may have heard me talk about gains wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, gains wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called gains wave for her. As with the male gains wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with gains wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits. 
you will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website, gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. I'm pleased to present B-Rad Grass-Fed Whey Protein Isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality, all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain Lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. <laughs> right. Right. Because what you're doing is you're triggering those fear responses. You're going in there and saying, oh, my God, you know, because you're, you, you're testing it. You're testing it with apprehension. You're not testing it with like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Right. You're testing it because you're like, is it going to kill me? <laughs> and that's the thought that's going through your head at the time. So when you got to the training camp in Poland, you, yeah. you had this open mind. You're going to immerse yourself George Plimpton style. And mm-hmm. I, I think that first glimpse that you describe of the, of the dude uh, coming with steam coming off his body when you first pull up, I, I imagine that elicited the fear response and you're wondering what you got yourself into. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the, the, here's the thing with the Wim Hof method, like you, you, there's, there's stuff you learn very quickly and there's stuff that takes a little bit more time to understand um, when you're experiencing it. And the, the method has these two parts, right? The, the, the one part is the simple exposure to cold um, and then enduring that, you know, and, and when you're in that stressful cold stimulus, it's relaxing. And that's very critical because usually when we're in a cold environment, we clench up. We do that thing and, you know, we get tight between our shoulders, our jaws clench, our, our chest clenches and, and, and you start shivering. 
And what you're doing there is using this autonomic programming of your body to use muscle movement to heat yourself. And it's effective to some degree, right? Shivering works. That's why we have that ability. But what, what the Wim Hof method is, is that you get into the cold and instead of using that immediate um, clenching, which is a, a fight or flight response, it's part of your sympathetic nervous system, you relax instead. And, and by relaxing, you're, you're cutting off that muscle, those muscle contractions to heat your body. And instead you're saying, okay, body, find some other way to heat yourself. And what it does is it uses what a parasympathetic or a rest and digest nervous system response to cold, which is it ramps up your passive metabolism. Um, so what you essentially do is you, you, you uh, break down fats to generate heat and that heat heats your body. And, and it's something you can just do in your mind. You say, I'm going to relax in this. And then your passive, um, you know, evolutionary traits take over. And as you do it more and more, uh, you get, you, 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 know, you, you do that more efficiently. So, so some training over time helps you um, generate that passive body heat um, more rapidly. You, you generate a tissue called brown fat or beige fat, depending on your age. Um, and, it, and it does that. But, and, and it's simply just flipping that switch from tensing to relaxing that triggers that. But then there's the other side of the method, which is the breathing method, uh, where uh, essentially, it looks like hyperventilation or sort of controlled hyperventilation. It's not like a panic attack. Uh, it sounds a little like this. And you do that for like 30 or 40 breaths. And you exhale at the end of that. And then you hold your breath for as long as you can. And uh, what you're doing is you're blowing off all the CO2 in your system. You're adding, um, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're increasing your oxygen saturation from about 96 or 97 to about 100 uh, percent. And then, uh, and then when you hold your breath with the, with the air out of your lungs, uh, it it just takes time for your for your body to trigger that gasp reflex, that that sort of like, oh no, I have to breathe. And so you find that you can hold your breath for a really long period of time. And the more repetitions you do, the longer you can hold your breath. Uh, you know, the longest I've done it on this, um, and I haven't, I don't like compete or anything, but the longest I, I've recorded holding my breath is probably five minutes. Um, when I first did this, you know, after two or three re repetitions, I think I was holding my breath for about two minutes and 30 seconds, uh, where normally I could hold my breath for like a minute, maybe, or maybe like 45 seconds normally. So it's like this really rapid change in your physiology that that just comes from this, this hyperventilation and, and breath control. And you're holding your breath for a long period of time with empty lungs. And that's, that's really critical because that's, that, that, that should shorten the amount of time that you can hold your breath. Uh, and then after you do this breathing, let's say you do three rounds of breathing, you're holding your breath for a pretty long time after, after three rounds. And that's about 10 or 15 minutes of breathing and retention. Uh, then he says, do this, do one more round of hyperventilation and then start doing push-ups with, with empty lungs. Now, this is like one of the standard things in the Wim Hof method that everyone does. And at this point, you know, I didn't have a huge workout routine. I'm not like a ripped dude or anything like that. In 2011, I could do 20 push-ups and that was my limit. That's how much I could do. Don't laugh. I know you're, you're buffer than me. Um, and then, but then I did this breathing with no additional musculature. And without withholding my breath on empty lungs, I did 40 push-ups. 
which is bananas. That's the clinical word for this. Is, you know, I doubled my, my, out, my physical output by just doing this breathing method. And that was really eye-opening to me because a limit that I thought I had in my head that I knew that I had in my head had just been just blown past. And this is something that just about everyone who does the Wim Hof method notices immediately. It's an immediate like sort of anaerobic um, muscle push with, uh, with um, push-ups. Dang, Scott. I mean, we're talking, we're, we're, you know, in the fitness world, there's so many posers and big talkers that are bragging about their a massive increase in performance from spraying the solution into their mouth or whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> you're the last guy to speak in these superlatives and it, it has such an amazing impact. I mean, some of these numbers, I mean, you're going from holding your breath. I guess the average Joe, if you said, hey, hold your breath, let's, let's, do, let's have a competition. I know Scott's not competitive, even though he can hold his breath for five minutes. But if we said, <laughs> hey, you know, let's try this. You're going to go for around a minute, the average person. And so you're saying right. you went from, you know, let's say a baseline of a minute up to yeah. two and a half with a couple Wim Hof drills. And now as a, mm -hmm. as a practitioner, you can hold your breath for five minutes with empty lungs. That's, that's mind blowing. Well, I, I think I, th I think my training uh, right, right now, I, I would say I could do three for sure. Five is like was pretty dramatic for me. We need, we need um, an Albert <laughs> next to you to make sure you don't hit your head on the desk or something. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, three is, is totally achievable um, with, you know, for most people, I would say. Um, and with like a week of training, you'll get there. And 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 week is like me being conservative. You can you might be able to do it on the first uh, day or two of this training. So. The one thing you said about, um, you know, shutting off the sympathetic response and activating the parasympathetic. And if any listeners are, are at this point in the show going, yeah, this is great, but why do I care? What's the big deal? I don't need to uh, be a badass uh, and warm, my, uh, warm up the snow with my body. But that, right. that little comment that you made and you think about the profound implications of being able to manage the sympathetic response and activate mm -hmm. the parasympathetic on demand. I think that's the portal that we're all looking for to translate right. into a much more, a, a massive impact on our, on our everyday life and stress management. Exactly. You know, we, uh, most uh, Westerners in the, in the world, right, are, uh, are constantly in a, in a, in a sort of mild state of sympathetic uh, activation. We're sort of always using our sympathetic nervous system for things that don't require it, right? Think about like both you and I right now are both sitting in front of our computers and talking to each other, right? We're, it's through Skype's medium. So I'm assuming that you, I know I spend a lot of time typing out various things and fretting about taxes or healthcare or retirement or, you know, bureaucratic bullshit of various sorts. When we do that, Oftentimes, the way we stress is, is, is we engage those sympathetic systems in some sort of mild way, right? When, when, you, when, you, when you think about, say, the next health bill, how it's depleting your bank account, for instance, right? We see that as a, a life-threatening existential threat, and we are engaging from the mental perspective the same uh, response that evolutionarily we would have had to a, 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 an existential threat of a, say, a tiger showing up in front of us, where when you see a tiger, it's fight or flight. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to go punch this tiger or run up that tree or whatever. You, I mean, I don't know. I think you're probably going to get eaten. But you have some sort of physiological response to dealing with that tiger. 
Now in the modern world, and, and that's a physical output, like you would pump adrenaline, there's cortisol, there's all that stuff. So you have an immediate um, physical boost. Now the existential threats in the modern world, the things that can kill us just as real as a tiger, you know, cancer, or you know, that healthcare bill, taxes, bankruptcy, all that stuff. That stuff, because we're not evolutionarily prepared to deal with bureaucracy and paperwork, we um, habitually trigger those sympathetic responses, but then we do not give it a, sympath a, a sympathetic output. Like adre releasing adrenaline, into your into your bloodstream does nothing to help you with your paperwork, right? That has no obvious use for that, but we're still doing it because that's how we're evolutionarily programmed. So one of the benefits of the Wim Hof method is it's giving us an outlet for our sympathetic responses. Um, it's giving you a way to control and then release adrenaline, cortisol, and whatever in a sort of a safe manner, in a way that's evolutionarily, you know, approximates. Uh, what some of those fight or flight states would be, because you're, it, when you're holding your breath for a long time, that is engaging your emergency systems. When you're sitting in the cold, that is engaging your emergency systems, and it's putting you in, in, in into some degree of balance. And here's, you know, people can say, okay, you're Scott, you're talking mumbo jumbo, and I get it. Um, but here's the real use for that. If you have an autoimmune illness, and a lot of people these days have autoimmune illnesses. One of the reasons that autoimmune illnesses come about is because of an evolutionary environmental mismatch where we where you have uh, effects coming in. You, you have the, the the stimulus coming in from the external world, which is not being used correctly by your body. And if you see people who do the Wim Hof me method frequently, you hear stories of all these people who have changed, you know, seen things like Crohn's disease reverse, uh, you see a rheumatoid arthritis, uh, lupus, uh, Lyme disease, uh, the, these, these immune illnesses that suddenly sort of disappear or at least come to a more manageable thing just because they're adding evolutionary stress to themselves. And at some point, maybe we can talk about the science about this because there's some really fascinating um, studies that show why this works. Well, I think Wim uh, getting injected with that virus and having uh, proving to the scientists in the laboratory, I want you to tell me that anecdote, because that if, if there's still any disbelievers out there, that's pretty mind-blowing stuff. And I think he, he knocked the socks off the researchers too, correct? Right. So, so the beautiful thing about Wim is that he's very open to talking with scientists. He's very open to coming out and saying, um, here's what's... Go, you know, here's my claim. Why don't you test me and we'll see if it if it pans out. And uh, the week after, oh, no, no, sorry, this was right before. Um, he went, uh, so in about 2010, so this is actually before I visited him. He met these scientists at Radboud University in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, and, and these are, were immunologists who design drugs uh, sorry, they design tests for for tissue rejection drugs. So if you get a kidney and put a foreign kidney into your body, you know, kidney transplant, your immune system usually detects that foreign kidney and kills it because it thinks it's a foreign invader. This is a, this is a, a problem with organ transplants. So you need a drug that turns off your immune system in order to uh, to keep that kidney uh, in your body so that you can survive. Uh, the, the scientist he went to was the person who tests the effectiveness of those immune system turning off drugs. Uh, his name is Peter Pickers and Matthias Cox. These are the two people on the study. 
Wynn went to them and said, hey, I can consciously turn off my immune system. I can just do it. And they were like, bullshit, no one can do that. Because Wynn was essentially saying, I personally am one of those drugs that turns off my immune system. I can do the same <laughs> thing. And that would sort of put them out of a job. So they were keen to not have this work. And, and the way their test works, the one that they designed, is they inject their patients with um, uh, endotoxin. So it's not a virus, it's a, it's a bacteria that has been killed in the laboratory, so it's heat killed, but it still has the cytokines, which means it still has the markers on the cell walls, which indicate this is an active bacteria that's gonna give you, make you sick. So when, if you inject this endotoxin into your body, uh, you will have a traditional primary immune response. And that means you'll get a fever, you'll get achy joints, you'll have the symptoms of having the flu come on. 99% of people who get injected with this drug have those symptoms. And that, and, and that means their immune system fired and those symptoms are really just your immune system trying to kick out this bad bug that's in your body. Now, if, if Peter Picker's drug worked, and you injected those patients with endotoxin, they would have no real response. They would have, there wouldn't be a fever, there wouldn't be a you know, runny nose or anything like that um, because the drug had turned off their immune system. So when Wim said that he could turn off his immune system at will, he was essentially saying, you, hey, inject me with endotoxin and I won't react to it. So they did. He did his breathing, he did, his, did some ice baths beforehand, you know, they injected him with the drug and Wim had no response um, to, to the drug. He only complained of a mild headache. And in their laboratory whiz-bang gizmos that they had, it showed that the blood that they withdrew from him, his body, didn't react to those that endotoxin for I believe it was three weeks outside of his body. It still had that sort of miraculous power to um, resist. Now, this study was amazing because it seemed to show that Wim was able to say, okay, immune system, turn off which is biologically impossible. Uh, so the doctor said, okay, well, maybe you're a freak, which is, you know, that makes a lot of sense because if you look at Wim Hof, he's definitely a freak. So they, they arranged a different test. And this test happened the week after I was in Poland where I had just done all the snow training and breathing and climbing up stuff in my underwear. Um, the week after they brought 12 students from Radbaum University into his training program and he ran them through the exact same training program that I did. Then they took all of those students uh, back to, to, to Radbound. Uh, they injected all of them with endotoxin and all of them had the same response as Wim initially, is that they were all able to turn off their immune response. Now this is crazy because it shows that not only was Wim, the, the freak that, that was able to do this, but that his method, his ability was teachable and it was teachable in a very short period of time. Uh, this study was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which is a pretty darn prestigious uh, medical journal. And it has really wowed uh, the scientific community uh, because it shows something that's not possible and which also sort of explains why people with all sorts of autoimmune illnesses an autoimmune illness, essentially, your immune system, think of those macrophages and the T cells and B cells and neutrophils, um, are, are attacking your healthy tissue as if it's an invader and causing you know, lesions in your intestines, that's Crohn's disease, or it eats your joints and that's rheumatoid arthritis. That's because your immune system has gone crazy. If you're, if you're able to consciously turn that off, that explains 
why autoimmune illnesses of all sorts uh, are really responding to this hot and cold therapy that Wim does and this and these breathing protocols. I think that's a really important study to reflect upon because the gut reaction from most people, the knee jerk, is that, oh, look at this guy on YouTube packed in ice for an hour and 45 minutes that would kill almost everyone. He must be some sort of genetic freak because we do have these uh, sure. outliers out there that can do crazy stuff just because they were, for some reason, born that way. And so mm -hmm. now you're talking about <laughs> a week's training and you have a bunch of disciples that can go get injected and uh, not have a not have a response. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and you know, I remember I'm the guy going in there being like, this isn't going to work. The ultimate I, skeptic. Yeah. I, and, you know, I'd written books about people dying doing this <laughs> stuff. Like, like, you know, I was um, flabbergasted that this was that 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 this worked and it has really changed my life and opened me up to, you know, I'm still skeptical about huge claims like people can tell me all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, let's go check that out. But I'm also now open to a variety of, of other interventions because, you know, what's happening here is not. Wim Hof is channeling the prana from heaven and getting the ghost light in him and, and whatever spiritual mumbo jumbo you want to throw at this. What he's doing is showing that we have these evolutionarily evolutionary abilities that have come down through us with, through the normal scientific process that we all understand. It's Darwin. Um, and we're able to access those evolutionary abilities. And the, the issue is not the fact that these are superpowers. It's the fact that we now live in an environment which is so controlled all the time, you know, it doesn't matter what the temperature is outside. We have air conditioning on the inside. We have synthetic clothing to keep us warm and to keep us in this sort of like very comfortable temperature. And we are not allowing our bodies to have the natural variation that we had through all of that course of 300,000 years of human evolution or what, what, three billion years of life on this planet. You know, we were always dealing with the environment throughout that entire time period. And now in, in the last 150 years, we've basically factored out discomfort from, <laughs> from our lives. And that has, you know, shock of shocks, made our bodies weaker. Wow. Yeah. So the more comfortable we get, the weaker we get. And there's so many uh, examples of this, such as in the world of shoes and, and we talk about this barefoot movement and right. how that your your custom orthotics and your $175 Nike shoes with the ultimate cushioning and a reverse pronation control are simply weakening your feet more and more so that you're more reliant upon whatever totally. it is that's giving you the comfort. Totally. And you remember the movie, uh, the Disney, I think it's Disney, maybe it's Pixar, maybe it's the same thing. Um, Wally, do you remember this, this the movie? The robot guy, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Is, is this... I think it's Wally, right? Where then we have these people in the space station who are like living in like wheelchairs that go around their space station. They're all fat. They look like eggs. I think this is Wally. Maybe it's a different movie. And but basically the idea is that that humans will evolve to this point where our technology is so good that our bodies are irrelevant and we just become blobs because we're not using them. And you know we get all the data put in from our our screens and our you know, internet and, and, and we, we we're, we're sort of like factoring our bodies out of, out of the world with all of this like really smart technology we have. And, and that does bad things to us. 
I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements. And you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet.
Yeah, I guess there's that important connection to draw where, okay, I don't care about this stuff. I do have an air-conditioned office, an air-conditioned vehicle, and uh, the same with my home. So I don't ever have to worry about exposing myself to cold and dealing with any of this. But if you can make these analogies to your ability to withstand a minor uh, illness or um you know, deal with anxiety or, or things like that that we, we do complain about. I think right. that's where the, um, the the best application is for the average person that's not a fitness freak, as you describe so nicely in the book that, you know, you're not coming into this uh, with the um, the tattoos and the six pack and just trying to gain 3% so you can go win the CrossFit games. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I make no pretenses that I am a, a super athlete or anything of the sort. I am a guy who's not like, you know, horribly unfit, but I'm not somebody who is the top competitor at any, you know, particular profession. Um, what, what is fascinating and what is most meaningful to me is that we, you don't need to be a super athlete to gain the benefits here. You are, are probably a normal person listening to this podcast, or maybe you're a little bit more on the athletic side, or maybe you're a little less than the athletic side, but you know, there the the truth is is that we've been sort of sort of sold this bill of goods our whole lives that that the key to human health rests on these two pillars of um, nutrition and exercise so the stuff you put into your body and the stuff that you do with your body to use that fuel you just gave it and this is the essential you know building blocks of every diet and fitness program ever devised what the Wim Hof method and what I've sort of learned in my journey, even beyond Wim's um, stuff, is that it's not just these two pillars, but there's this third pillar that we don't recognize, which is the environment that you inhabit. That, that these passive things that are always interacting with us actually have a really dramatic effect on our life. And, and you know, that feeling of discomfort, whatever that is, um, or, or even, you know, whatever comfort is, is is really our body telling us that it's not working, that it's that comfort is this is, is this sense that, hey, cool, the environment's taking care of everything for me, so I don't have to do anything extra. And we are addicted to this idea of comfort. We're addicted to this idea that, oh, okay, something else is taking care of it, so I don't have to work. And and you know, comfort is 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 you know, evolutionarily, it's not a thing that we always had. It was always the reward at the end of a difficult journey. You know, you climb over that mountain to get to that next food source that made you a little bit more comfortable. It wasn't something that you always had on hand. And 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 now it's just sort of this addiction that we have to, to the easy life. <laughs> That's great, Scott. It's very well put. And I think now we're kind of getting to this uh, difficult to describe benefit that I, I started the show mentioning where I get out of that cold tub uh, for, you know, I'm up to about five minutes now at 36 oh, nice. degrees, 38 degrees. And again, it's not a competition, but I'm up to five minutes. But oh, um, yeah. I think, you know, when you, when you get out and you realize that you just overcame these longstanding fears and kind of triggered this, you know, I feel like it's become a habit or an automatic behavior. So if I, am I able to jump into cold water without a second thought, without having to summon willpower and make a big deal of it and be dramatic and high five the, the cheering crowd after, I feel like that has a carryover into, let's say, maintaining more discipline with my uh, work objectives or my emotional control when I get into a heated situation in a traffic jam or what have you. 
I mean, that's the, that is the, um, what you're saying I feel is true, but you know, we're, we're, we're also, you know, sometimes you're wondering what's the data behind that. I think that, that my feeling is that this is right. If you can handle a difficult situation like ice water, um, then the other things that you handle in your life, you can, you can access that same spirit, um, in anything else in traffic or in, uh, where else? But you do need a little bit of consciousness, um, I felt, because I can still get very irritated at things, right? Uh, what I need to do is catch myself as like, oh, I'm being irritated, and then flip into this sort of mindset that happens in the ice, this sort of disconnection. And, you know, another really cool thing that happens is that right now an unconditioned person looks at your freezer and is like, oh, man, it's going to be really painful, right? And then they jump in. And it's really painful for a little bit, but then they relax because they figured out how to do this. And then what happens is they release all this adrenaline and cortisol and other, you know, feel-good hormones. And and after about 30 or 40 seconds, people feel really good and they start feeling warm in that cold water. And then you get out and you feel really warm because you just went from a very cold environment to a very, you know, the, the room temperature environment, which now feels warm because you're no longer in the cold environment. And that feels awesome. And you feel, you know, you have that sort of glow that happens for a fair amount of time afterwards. Now, one of the cool things that you can do over time is that, you know, let's say you've been doing this for a week, you then look at that tub and you can say to yourself, that is not the clenching, painful feeling. That tub represents the fun, adrenaline, great experience that'll have later. So you sort of skip the bad part in your mind. Now you've associated the that cold temperature with positive feelings, and it becomes even better. Love it, Scott. So you visited Wim in Poland. Is it now several years ago? Is that correct? It, I think it was t- January 2011 is when I went uh, to meet him. And then the book project came about uh, right after that, and it, it took you a while to, to get deep into this, or how did that journey go? Uh, it, um, I kept on working. I, I was writing another book and then I had to finish that book, and then I got to the whim stuff probably about four, four, four or five years later. Uh, and then I and then I delved back into the Wim stuff. I was still doing Wim's breathing and and I, obviously cold showers every day and that sort of thing um, since I met him. And then I got really sort of um, what do you could say? Uh, um, uh, uh, I want to say devoted, but that's not the right word. I I, I got very regular with my practice uh, during, while writing the book. I think it was about six months where I did the breathing every day took the cold shower every day and the ice whenever I could. And I, and I also worked out throughout the winter uh, and I live in Denver. Uh, I worked out throughout the winter in uh, shorts. So I would go running around like a three mile run with all of my skin exposed um, to sort of do that environmental conditioning. I, and, and at the end of that, that was sort of the, the exercise path that I, that I maintained. Uh, and then I had some pretty dramatic results, uh, you know, that I measured scientifically. Uh, essentially, you know, the, the laboratory was in Boulder, Colorado. It was a, a sports medicine center. And they did a before and after test. And they said, you know, I, I, I hadn't changed the amount of workout that I'd done. So time-wise, it was the same. Intensity was the same. The only thing I was changing was this environmental them and the Wim Hof breathing. And he said that it, it was like I had added an additional... Um, 
I think it was 10 hours of exercise, cardio exercise a week to my routine that I actually wasn't doing. And that was just through the environmental stimuli. So is it something where you launch into your breathing exercises before heading out uh, for a run in the winter in Colorado and you just trigger this, you're, you're well-trained, so you, you spend a few minutes breathing and then you're able to go out and expose yourself to the elements? No, the breathing happens before you get out of bed. You don't even leave bed and you start the 15-minute the breathing protocol still prone in bed. I mean, you can do it a little later, but you generally do it before breakfast. And, uh, and then that is just at any point in the day. And then the, ex the running happens at any point in the day. So it could be right afterwards, but it could be hours later. It doesn't matter. Um, they just need to be done every day. And are you uh, adhering to that over the long term now? So, in the, so the book came out a year and a half ago, a little bit more than a year and a half ago. Uh, and I, was, I, I continued doing WIMS breathing method until about six months ago. So that was about seven years of WIMS protocols. I'm now working on different protocols that are, um, you know, it's going to be out in the next book. I learned a lot from WIMS method. Uh, I, I, I learned this, you know, he doesn't talk about it this way, but I have this concept called the wedge which is where you use an environmental stimulus to trigger an autonomic response. So for instance, heat, right? It triggers an autonomic response and then redirecting that autonomic response from a parasympathetic to sympathetic path or the other way around. And you can do this consciously. It's just that, that switch that you flip. And I'm doing other training methods that work on that same principle in different environmental conditions. So outside of ice water. Um, and, you know, I think that WIMS training, the amount that I did it, so about 2011 to now, so about seven years, uh, has made some, some longstanding changes that have altered my physiology probably permanently, but at least until now, um, even after six months of not, of not regularly practicing the breathing. So when you're talking about the wedge concept in the book, you were mentioning some other things like uh, delaying your orgasm, holding your pee, mm -hmm. Any mm -hmm. pre-programmed physical response that you can right. uh, attempt to take control over. Right. And, and so there's no reason you would want to do this. But the way I describe the wedge in the book is, uh, you know, imagine a sneeze coming on and you have that sort of like painful nose twitching, face screwing sensation that happening to your body. And Normally, it, it follows a script. It happens. Your nose wrinkles. You take a deep breath in and at you, it all comes out. But also, if next time you sneeze, you can try this. You can say, OK, I don't want to sneeze. I'm just not going to sneeze. I'm going to hold this back. And usually, and I, I don't know what you do. You think non-sneeze worthy thoughts? Do you, you know, just focus on those sensations and abate them? Like we do something and that something can stop the sneeze or at least delay it a certain amount of time. And that's your interface with your autonomic system, focusing on these sensation, the thoughts, whatever goes with it. Um, you could learn to completely override your sneeze process and never, you could never sneeze again, maybe. Um, I don't know why you would want to do that. Sneezing seems like a great thing. I sort of like sneezing. Um, uh, but any autonomic process, it's that same interface that you can use to, to work on anything. And so the next book, you know, I'm looking at uh, the, you know, sort of the underlying physiology of our nervous system. I'm looking at the way we um, 
you know, how our immune system works, certain ways to interact with the sensations that your immune system gives off to take some degree of control over it. Uh, I'm looking at uh, different breathing methods, I, you know, sensory deprivation takes, heating, fear. Um, and then I'm looking at some uh, you know, hallucinogens, which I find actually they're, they're getting very interesting now of work with ayahuasca and ecstasy and things like that. Um, all of which have this, these really interesting sensory pathways that, that interact with your body that you can have, you know, you can sort of, you know, have an interface and you start to talk to that part of your body that you think is under unconscious control. Wow. You're on the cutting edge, man. I don't, I don't know. I, other people are doing it too, but uh, but I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I think that's the, the the that's the the most important part. Like it's a it is a blast to start, you know, realizing that you have this body that does certain things, and then oh my god, it can do a couple other things, and that's like a you know yeah I you haven't had most people haven't had that experience since childhood, right? Like you know you're a kid and you're like oh my god I can jump, jumping's amazing. Who knew jumping? But there was a time when you did your first jump, right? You know, and that was probably really cool. And I feel like I'm learning some things that are a little like that again. Right. And I think uh, it reminds me of the Art Devaney quote, the, one of the early leaders of the paleo movement where he said, modern man is restless and uncomfortable because I forget the rest of the quote, but he's talking about how we have modern life is so easy that we have a deep down sense of disconnection from our environment and unfulfillment, even if we're making good money and driving a new car. Right. And it's because mm -hmm. we've shut down all these exhilarating uh, attributes that we have to overcome totally. cold or, or what have you. So I totally. guess yeah. if you're... We have these really proximate uh, goals, right? Like things like money are really interesting. It's because we think we're, you know, we're, we're taught that if you have a certain amount of money, that brings a certain amount of stability, which brings a certain amount of happiness, and that eventually, you know, you're going to reach 84 or however it is, and you're going to die comfortably in your bed if you do everything right. Uh, that's a philosophy that sort of undergirds everything we're taught from an early age um, through your career to death. That's sort of the human path. But the truth is humans can have all sorts of paths, right? You can go any direction you want because you've got this one life to live. And you should do your most with it. And dying comfortably at the at, at, at an old age is maybe you know that hey that's good that's fine right. And I, I personally dying comfortably sounds um, better than you know being eaten by a shark or something. But that shouldn't be the rule for your whole life to live by, so that you get there and you won right. My my feeling is that our, we're we're here in this world to have a variety of experiences, emotional, physical, and and to get the most out of the time that we have and, you know, and be responsible as we do that. Like you have to, you can't be a, like an asshole or, or be, you know, you don't want to cut your life short, right? We're not in a rush towards death, but we are, we should be in a rush towards um, experience. And, and the more experiences you have, it doesn't really matter about the money, right? The, you know, you need a certain amount to survive, but after that, it's not going to make you happier. All these super rich people look quite miserable, actually. <laughs> a lot of them are freaking out and like uh, having private jets gassed up, ready to fly to New mm -hmm. Zealand where they've bought property to build underground bunkers when the apocalypse <laughs> comes. I mean, there's an article I about this. Is <laughs> several, you know, there's quite a few people are kind of getting into this freaky mindset, uh, yeah. possibly due to excess time and money. 
But you mean mm-hmm. it's like if if we have um, big trouble, who wants to go there anyway and live in a bunker? You know, it's like totally. What about real life? You know, your conversation just now reminds me of the uh, account that you wrote about Laird Hamilton, everyone's favorite big wave surfer and adventure man, right. and um, you know, not that going out into the giant surf that can kill you is a necessary rite of passage for the average Joe. But when we have that spectrum of as you describe, you know, dying comfortably as our overpowering goal that we inform every single day of our lives by versus a guy who, and I love how you put it, where he, he has this process when, he, when he's out there facing the big waves where you called it commitment, uh, crash, submission, and escape, where he's, mm-hmm. he's envisioning that worst case scenario and what's going to happen if the wave smashes him and he's underwater fighting for his life and the, and the importance of relaxing and calling upon his highly trained skills. Right. Yeah. And he, uh, Laird's a you know, super inspiring guy. Uh, and, you know, the book is not all about whim. I'm glad you brought Laird up because I also talk to army people and other crossfit type athletes and uh, stuff. But, yeah, Laird really distilled it well because, you know, it's not about the big wave, right? It's about everything in life. Anything you do has some risk to it. And how do you manage the risk? And 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 part of that, you know, this the deeply spiritual thing is you have to accept failures. Like anything you try might fail. And indeed it could fail catastrophically. You could do something which just ruins your life because that's always a possibility. That's always every time you cross the street, a bus might come out of nowhere and run you down. Um, there's a certain amount of risk that's inherent in the universe. Uh, but once you accept that risk, well, then how can you live a life knowing that that's there? How do you say, okay, well, there's this risk, but even when that 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 catastrophic event is occurring, maybe there's way, things I can do to mitigate that. Maybe I can, you know, if you're being crashed around by a wave, what he does is say, there's a moment where I'm falling off that surfboard and the wave is tumbling me, where he's like, I have no control. Like in this tumult of, of you know, 20 tons of water, it's, it's going to do to my body what it's going to do to my body. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's no point to tense up and fight it because it's going to do it no matter what. So what he says is you relax in that moment, in that moment of chaos. You just say, you just accept whatever is going to come is going to come. And then at some point that wave has done, spent its energy. And then there, and then when it's done that, then you have your, your, your ability to like, okay, now I'll engage my sympathetic nervous system. Now I'm going to fight once, the, once it's relaxed a little bit. And maybe that's the way I'm going to get to the surface and breathe again. Hey, no guarantee you're going to get there. But so far, Laird has. And again, for the non-big wave surfing listeners, you can draw this important analogy to uh, if your business is failing or if your grad school application is getting rejected. Basically, you're getting pounded by the wave and you have a choice of being able to relax into it. And then when you're, when you're, when you're at the bottom and like Laird describes, you have that one chance and that's when you, you know, mm-hmm. kick into peak performance mode. And I, I just saw those powerful analogies also as the quality of your writing and the storytelling where you can immerse into this experience without having to be a big wave surfer. Right. But oh, the, totally. you know, the carryover is so profound. Yeah. And, and it, a lot of this is metaphor. I mean, there's no reason that any one of your listeners has to get really good at ice water, right? I mean, hey, it's cool. I think it's a great th- a great way to train yourself, but it's not the ice water that's the key. The key is the relaxing 
in the ice water. It's relaxing in that stress. You know, you can, it, it, it's finding that those things that are stressful experiences are not necessarily the things that kill us. It, it's the things that happen afterwards and how we respond to those conditions that might kill us. Oh, Scott, this is a great conversation. Let, let's pause for a commercial to go and order What Doesn't Kill Us. It's a great book. Oh, yeah. It's on Amazon. I'm on the uh, audio book listening to you narrate the thing. And again, even if, you, even if you're never going to even try the first step of uh, finishing with a cold shower instead of hot, just the, the reading experience itself and that reflection on all the things that you face in daily life, I think is a really rich experience. But if someone is mildly intrigued to extremely intrigued at this point due to our fabulous conversation, what do you think is a good way to, to get started on a basic level? Can you do this, uh, this, this deep breathing and then go take finish your shower with two minutes of cold or something? Yeah, that's that's actually the the program that I would suggest. It's a very intro level thing. Is learn the breathing. I describe it in my book. I just you know I read it to you in my audio book. And there's also a bajillion YouTube videos that you can go to right now. Not by me only, but there's lots of people who who described it. And and learn this 15 minute breathing pattern. Do it lying down. That's very very important. Uh, and you know hyperventilate. So you don't pass out and and whack your head on something. Exactly. There are a couple <laughs> safety protocols that you need to know. Never, ever, ever, ever do this while driving or underwater or anything like that because you'll die and that sucks for you and anyone you hurt. And um, But you learn this 15-minute breathing protocol and learn to hold your breath for a really long period of time. It's that simple. It's like 15 minutes a day. Then your shower, start pot. Clean yourself. Do a normal shower. And then at the end of your showers, your shower is coming to a close. Do the most difficult thing a human has ever done in the entire history of humanity, <laughs> which is turn around and turn that knob to cold and leave it there for a little bit. And then when it's, this cold water is cascading on yourself, say to yourself, it's not that bad. Take a couple slow breaths and let it cascade on yourself for a minute, maybe two. If you could do it longer, great. If not, whatever. And, and just get and, and, and you've succeeded when you've gone from panic to calm. And, 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 and really, that's the intro. Just, just do that. And, and even the, the master level is not that much more complex than that. It, it's, it's just something that you can start doing and start interacting with your environment and realize that the environment does something to you. That, that's, the, that's the message that I'd love that, that I'm so happy that people are embracing right now with the book because the book has sort of taken on this life of its own out there. And there's a lot of people who are really, you know, finding ways to interact with their environment and actually feel something. And that's wonderful. Scott Carney, what a beautiful close. Author of <laughs> What Doesn't Kill Us. Go order that thing. And how can we keep in touch with you? Are you putting out some interesting content for, for the uh, enthusiasts? Yeah, I put some videos out every now on YouTube. Uh, that's, I think it's SG Carney on YouTube, but you can find it. Just Google me up. Um, uh, my website, scottcarney.com, Twitter, SG Carney, Instagram, SG Carney. Um, anyway, if you know the whole how to work the internet, you can find me. I'm pretty easy to locate. And uh, and I have a new book coming out with after, let's see, it'll be probably out next summer. Uh, where I where I don't only look at what happens and what doesn't kill us, but I take those concepts and I build on them in some really cool directions. Uh, and you know, it's a wild journey and it's really fun. And uh, you know, I'm, I feel really lucky to have have 
been able to do this. So thank you for having me on. What's the title of the new book? Is it Top Secret or? Uh, no, it's not Top Secret. Right now it's called The Wedge, but I'm oh, talking nice. with my, yeah, I'm talking with my editor though. And we're not, we're not sure that is the best title. So, you know, it just placeholder title is The Wedge and that may be what it turns out to be, but maybe it'll be something else. We'll find you. Thank you so much for taking the time, Scott. Good luck with everything. And let's go take our cold shower now. That sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it. I want to enthusiastically recommend DNA Fit, cutting-edge genetic testing to deliver a personal profile that will guide your fitness and nutrition goals. So simple, you spit in a tube, mail it off, and soon you get by email the super cool infographic where it delivers all these important insights and elements of your genetic profile at a glance. How you metabolize carbs, caffeine, vitamin D, lactose, and much more. My exercise profile was mind-blowing because it revealed my genetic muscular makeup to be 54% power strength and only 46% endurance. As a lifelong endurance athlete, I've been banging my head against the wall, training in a manner that was in conflict with my genes. Don't wait 20 years making mistakes like I did. Find out what diet and exercise patterns are most aligned with your genetics at dnafit.com. This stuff used to be super expensive. It was a few hundred dollars. Now it's pennies. Not really, but it's a great deal and you get 30% off if you just put in the code. G-O-Y-30. Check out everything at dnafit.com.